Chapter 12. How to be afraid. In another part of the castle, someone else was also longing. A thin ray of light filtered through the storeroom window pane, and a small mouse gazed up at it, completely entranced. Somehow, somewhere, there has to be someone more like me, Despero thought, looking out into the vast world beyond. He was so absorbed that he didn't notice the gang of mice watching him from the edge of the schoolyard, half a block away. They were once his friends, but lately they began to look differently upon the mouse who was so unlike them. He is so weird, one remarked. No kidding, said another, and he mimicked Despero. Oh, that's so beautiful. I wonder what's out there. The others laughed at the imitation. But Despero, still unaware he was being watched, continued to stare out the window. That is so beautiful, he said softly. I wonder what's out there. Laughter exploded behind him. Despero turned just as the mice looked quickly away and whispered amongst themselves. It's one thing to be different from everyone else, but when you know you're different and you can't do anything about it. February the 1st doesn't scurry. February the 3rd didn't cower. Inside his office, the principal was reading aloud from a lengthy report to Despero's parents. Didn't cower. Didn't cower. Wouldn't scurry. The portly mouse murmured, skimming the rest of the teacher's comments. Oh, here's one. Drew a picture of a cat on his notebook. Lester swallowed hard. A cat? Oh, I can't imagine, said Antoinette. I am afraid so, said the principal, nodding gravely. Named it Fluffy. Oh, I had no idea, Lester said. I, oh, oh, no idea. The principal handed Mr. and Mrs. Tilling the offending notebook. Despero's parents cringed. From the book's cover, a large tomcat smiled up at them. Outside the principal's office, Despero sat waiting. The office door creaked open. Despero, said the principal. Yes, sir. Come in, please. Despero sat between his parents. He was so tiny that the principal could only see two big ears sticking out from behind the pillbox desk. Despero principal said why do you think you're in school to learn despero said wondering if it was a trick question he'd been asked to learn yes said lester yes yes good yes that's good antoinette echoed to learn what the principal demanded um to learn how to be a mouse sir despero said that is correct and you can't be a mouse if you don't learn how to be afraid Despero, there are so many wonderful things in life to be afraid of if you just learn how scary they are. Yes, sir, I guess, said Despero, torn. The principal turned his attention back to Lester and Antoinette. How about his brother? he asked. Um, his brother? Um, um, what about him? Lester asked, alarmed. Yes, you know, is he timid? Lester and Antoinette exhaled in, exhaled in relief. Oh, yes, they said at once. Very timid. Timid as the day is long. Good, the principal nodded. Because sometimes they just need to see the older ones do it. No one starts out afraid. Understood, said Lester. Of course, said his wife. The meeting caused Lester and Antoinette a great deal of paw ringing. Where had they gone wrong, they lamented. Surely one of them was to blame for their son's shameful lack of fear. 
you, you coddle the boy, that, that's the problem, Lester said to his wife as they walked across the school's chequered courtyard. No, no, Antoinette said. Yes, you do. No, no. Yes, you do. You've been, you've been doing it all along. But he's so little, Antoinette said. I have had to help him. He, he's not going to be afraid and, and, unless you allow him to be afraid. Antoinette pondered her husband's advice. Maybe it was right. Maybe it was time to let her baby discover fear. But she certainly wasn't going to be the one to help him. No, she wouldn't even be able to watch. Furlough will teach him, Antoinette said decisively. And so it was settled. Like it or not, Despero Tilling was going to learn how to be a mouse. Chapter 13. The Lesson At his parents' demand, Furlough met Despero just inside the mouse hole that led to the royal kitchen. Do, do what he does, Lester told Despero. And don't do anything he doesn't, added Antoinette. And, and if he's afraid, afraid of something, Lester began, then, then you need to be afraid of it too, Antoinette said. Are you ready? Furlow asked his little brother. Yeah, Despero answered, nodding. But he wasn't really paying attention. He was focused on the light from the royal kitchen beyond. The outside world of humans was much more interesting and dangerous. He couldn't wait to explore it. Despero hurried out in front of his brother. From inside the safety of the mouse hole, Lester and Antoinette watched their sons creep into the kitchen. It didn't take but for a moment for Andre to spot the two mice, one cowering and the other unusually tiny but very bold. The small one didn't even flinch. Instead, he looked straight at the chef. Andre just stared sadly back at him. Come on, Despero, hurry up, Furlow said, dragging his brother away. The pair scurried up a banister of a large staircase and through the castle's second floor until they found their destination. Despero and Furlow entered a magnificent room. The royal library took Despero's breath away. Faded sunlight streamed through a row of high windows to illuminate books. Books. And even more books. Shelves lined every wall from floor to ceiling, and each one was packed with books of all types and sizes. A long table stretched across the centre of the room. Its surface was covered with tomes that lay open as if in the middle of being read. But of course, no one had read anything in here since the Queen's death. Despero gaped at the scenery as Furlow led into a storybook and invited his brother to take a seat upon the first page. All right, now you start nibbling right along that edge there, instructed Furlow, looking around nervously. The glue's all right, but it's the pages that taste the best. While Furlow talked, the words on the page stretched away from Despero like some strange and beautiful road. Once upon a time, Despero read. He looked up at his brother. That's great, isn't it? Upon a time. And they don't even tell you what time it is yet. Like you've got to find that out. Furlow groaned. You're not supposed to read it, Despero. You're supposed to eat it. Despero half-heartedly licked some glue along the spine. Good, Furlow said, turning to leave. I'll come back in an hour. Despero peeked at the tempting line of print behind him. Surely it wouldn't hurt to. And no reading, Furlow called from the doorway. Despero jumped. It's a rule, Furlow shouted. And then finally, he was gone. Despero glanced down at the ripped edge that he was supposed to eat and tried not to look behind him at the full page of words. But he couldn't stand it anymore. Just one sentence, he said to himself. 
The line of print ran away from him as he read. Once upon a time there lived a... Despero walked across the page. Fair princess, fairer than any in any other land. Despero disappeared into the valley between the pages. and A moment later his head popped up between them. Hmm, he mused. Fair. He ran out of the valley and across the page to continue reading. She was locked up in a faraway castle where she could see the world but never touch it. That seems awful, Despero said to himself, to see the world but never touch it. He read on. She longed for a prince, a brave knight who would deliver her from all of this, someone with courage and honour and decency. Courage, honour, decency. The words seemed to lift from the page and swirl around Despero. The images that these words evoked in his mind sprang to life before him. Despero imagined a knight fighting a fierce battle. Swords clashed, hooves thundered, there was dust and shouting and trumpets. But in a cruel and frightened world, men like this were scarce indeed, for it wasn't just courage that made a knight. In Despero's mind, a brave knight charged towards a ferocious dragon and into the flames of its breath. Though without the courage to fight for it, chivalry is useless. Despero looked up in amazement. His imaginary knight was now at a small farm outside a castle. A grateful peasant was thanking the knight for restoring his lands, and the knight plucked a single red feather from his helmet and handed it to the man's daughter. Then, without a word, the knight turned and rode off towards the horizon, a striking silhouette against the setting sun. And it wasn't just chivalry either, although without it, the battle would have no meaning. At a round table, the knight dined with his friends in a great hall, knights all. They were noble and regal. They laughed, they showed kindness, their word was true. Despero kept on reading. They lived in a special world built on courage and chivalry and honour. They pledged their lives to one another, to fight for truth, to defend the weak, and to seek justice. Despero read as much as he could until Furlough returned to get him, and then he thought of princesses and knights, honour and chivalry the whole way home. Chapter 14. A Kiss from a Princess Later, at a much smaller table, Despero's family gathered for dinner. Theirs was nothing like the knight's great hall. The Tillings' dining room did not know such laughter and warmth. This was a proper family dinner. How, how, how was the library? Lester asked his son, passing him a plate of cheese. Fine, said Despero. Spoil your appetite? Lester asked. No, Despero said, thinking about the knight and the princess, courage and decency. Helped it, actually, he said. Made me hungrier. Did, did you get started on a book? asked Lester. Despero nodded. Devoured it, he said. Lester looked over to Antoinette. This just might be progress, they thought. Good, good lad, Lester said. Despero didn't respond. He was too busy waving his fork like a sword. Ha ha, he cried. Did a book ever speak to you? almost as if it was written for you. Despero couldn't wait to get back to the library. All that week he returned to read more of the story. Despero jumped back and forth across the pages. He'd brought his fork with him, and he jabbed it into the air like a sword as he read. The knight rode into battle. Ha-ha! Despero yelled, slaying an imaginary dragon. He loved it all, every bit of it, the truth, the justice, the bravery, and the sword fighting. 
He lay on the page and then rolled over onto his back and stared up at the library's elaborate vaulted ceiling. He tried to picture what he'd just read. The story said the princess was a prisoner, but that wasn't completely true. Because she had hope, and whenever you have hope, you're never really anybody's prisoner. Despero turned back to the page and studied an illustration of the golden-haired princess. She stood at the window of a tower gazing out at her kingdom. The castle was huge, the sky was clear, and the princess was fair. Illustrated in lavish detail, she seemed to radiate light. Despero read on. Someday my prince will come, said the princess. How does she know that? Despero wondered aloud. A soft sound interrupted his thoughts. A sad, sweet melody was drifting in from outside the library door. Despero hopped off the book and ventured into the corridor of the castle. There, the music grew louder. Someone was playing a guitar, the same mournful refrain over and over. Despero wandered down the large stone hallway towards the sound. He followed the song to an enormous room. The room was spacious, even for humans, but it was especially cavernous and grand to a tiny mouse. Tucked in a corner, a man sat, lost in a huge chair. It was the king playing his guitar. He finished playing, sighed and gazed up at a portrait of his dead queen. That's when Despero noticed someone else in the room. P, too, was watching her father, but the king didn't seem to know she was there. It might be said that in his grief the king had forgotten he had a daughter at all. Princess P could stand it no longer. As the king began playing his sad and beautiful song all over again, she turned away from him and left the room. In her chamber, Princess P stood at her window, alone, and stared out across the bleak countryside. A warm amber glow surrounded her. She was, lov- she was lovely. She looked almost like the princess from the storybook. Tears filled her eyes, and she sniffed. Why are you crying? asked Despero. P turned around, but she didn't see anyone. Why are you crying? Despero said a bit louder. P looked left, then right. <clears throat> down here. She looked down, and then she saw him. A small mouse with exceptionally large ears was standing the arm of her chair. Ah! cried P. Are you a rat? No, Despero answered. What are you? P asked. A mouse? I, Despero said, doffing his hat, am a gentleman. P smiled. She leaned in a little closer. How do you do? she asked. You're sad, said Despero. Yes. Because you have longing? P's eyes widened. Yes. But longing is just love waiting to be born, a little mouse explained. You're a strange little mouse, P said. Thank you, said Despero, smiling. Um... Do you want some cheese? No, thank you, Despero replied. I've already eaten. P smiled again and reached down to offer her hand. Come on, she said. Despero hesitated, and then he walked onto her, out- onto her outstretched palm. The princess lifted him up until he was right in front of her eyes, where she could get a closer look at him. Where did you hear about that? About longing, she asked. In a story. A story? About what? About a princess like you, trapped in a castle like this, Despero said. Oh, you're a smooth little mouse, aren't you? P asked, raising an eyebrow. I bet you say that to all the princesses. I am sworn to tell the truth, Despero said. It is my code of honour. Ah, said the princess. Not just a gentleman, an honourable gentleman. 
Despero bowed slightly. Well then, how does this story end with the princess who's locked in a castle? Um, I don't know, said Despero, slightly embarrassed. I haven't finished it yet. But I'd love to know, P said. She set Despero down and looked out of the window. Oh, I wish it would rain. I wish there were soup again. I even wish there were rats. P looked down at Despero. Will you promise me something? Will you promise to finish your story and tell me how it ends? Yes, Despero promised. It will be my quest. Your quest, P said. You're a very brave mouse. And with that, the princess leaned forward and did something extraordinary. She kissed her finger and touched it to his nose, sweetly and softly. Thank you, my good gentleman, she said. If a mouse could blush, Despero would have been scarlet. He slid down the tablecloth and gazed up at P's smiling face. A kiss? A kiss? A kiss from a real princess? This was all Despero could think as he waved goodbye to P. Just the very thought of her kiss sent him floating out of the room and flying down the marble banister. Woohoo! Despero cried.